So we move into hour number two. What's going on? Welcome to the program. I am Jim Rome. UCLA Bruin fans, I want to get your thoughts. Sean Foster, all-time Bruin great, is the new head coach. The AD there, Martin Jarmon, was in a tough spot because Chip Kelly just up and bounced. Now, there was speculation, right? There was speculation that Chip might want to go back to the NFL as a coordinator, and then all of a sudden, bam, he's gone. He goes to Ohio State. And the AD at UCLA, Martin Jarmon, said... I'm going to replace this guy, and I'm going to do it in 96 hours. Like, he was in a spot now. Deshaun Foster is an all-time Bruin great. And he was on that staff, and he was an assistant, and he was the associate head coach last year. But he had already bounced. I didn't have enough time, but I wanted to ask him. And the thing that I didn't get to, and I don't know the answer to this, I wanted to ask him because he had already gone to the Raiders. He was going to be their running back coach. I wanted to say was the writing on the wall. Did you think that Chip was going to move on? So is that, in fact, why you moved on? I don't know the answer to that, but now he's back. And Bruin fans, I want your thoughts on that. Is that going to pump some energy into it? Because obviously, there were a lot of Bruin fans that were unhappy about Chip. There just were. And I don't know exactly why Chip left when he left. You know, it's been talked that He wasn't big on recruiting the type of players that he needed. And by that, I mean he just wasn't exerting a lot of energy recruiting. Listen, if Chip was unhappy with NIL and the portal, he's far from the only coach. There are college coaches that are going to the NFL because they don't want to deal with that. If you don't embrace that part of the job, you've got no shot. So you're seeing coaches that are going from head coaches to coordinators, like Chip. You're seeing coaches go from being head coaches in the college game to assistant coaches in the NFL because they just don't want to deal with it. It's the wild, wild west. I don't really know the answer to that. But all of a sudden, you've got Deshaun Foster. And one moment, he's the running back coach of the Raiders. And then five minutes later, he's got his dream job. So Bruin fan, I want to know, are you excited about this? Is it going to change things materially? Are you going to see that NLI money that you weren't seeing before? Also, this just in. The Chiefs, breaking news. On the X platform, at Chiefs, quote, we have signed defensive coordinator Steve Spagnolo to a contract extension. Two things. One, he's not a head coach, and I think he should be a head coach. Two, I don't know how long that extension is. Three, it doesn't really matter in the sense that you still have that guy. That's a really young defense. A really young defense that played lights out. And I said it earlier this week, and some of you got all butthurt about this too. Best big game D coordinator I've ever seen. I stand by that. Great, great D coordinator. And he coached them the hell up. Hey, Rome, let's see how good he is when Chris Jones bounces. Man, to quote a famous person, don't do that. Damn good coach. I'm here to tell you they don't win that game. They don't win that Super Bowl. They don't defend without Spags. They don't defend and win and repeat without that defense. It's a good day. Chiefs fans, reaction. Before I get to conspiracy guy... This guy wants to talk about a conspiracy. Romeo. My beef is with that fat conspiracy theorist 
who claims that Valentine's Day was invented by chocolate companies to turn a profit. Hey, fatty, you buy chocolate every single day. So what makes today any different, you blimp? The only difference today is that we are getting laid tonight and you're not. Try a salad. V in the fee. Hey, V. Well done. I like that. That works for me. So conspiracy guys have themselves a week. For real. In fact, times have never been better for a conspiracy guy. And conspiracy guy has never been louder about it than right now. Or so well represented in the NFL world. Seriously. It's like you kooks run everything now. Even though you never have any actual evidence or anything real or tangible to back up any of your more and more whack, over-the-top, totally unfathomable takes and or theories. Kook. No. Of course the Super Bowl was not fixed. No, there is not some conspiracy to crown the Chiefs. No, the league did not set up Taylor Swift to sell makeup ads or some other nonsense. And no, the White House most definitely did not plant her in a relationship with Travis Kelsey with the hopes of, of, I don't even know what the White House gets out of that. It's really hard for me to even begin to entertain the logic here because I don't see the logic here. And the reason I don't see any logic here is because there is no logic here. And yet here we are. Here the bleep we are. Apparently there is enough here that Patrick Mahomes was asked about it this week in an interview on CNN. I'm not talking about some crazy out there, lava-flinging podcast in the middle of, I don't know, Nevada, Idaho, Wyoming, Norco, wherever. I'm talking about Patrick Mahomes sitting right up the street inside of Disneyland, looking hungover as hell, seriously having to answer a question on CNN about... Well, I'm not even sure because I don't really understand what any of this is actually about. Maybe you can make sense of it and maybe you can figure it out and maybe you can tell me exactly where this interviewer was going with this. You might be aware or maybe maybe not aware, there were some wild conspiracy theories that were flying around this season that... Uh, that the Taylor Swift effect was all scripted to allow Taylor to use the Super Bowl for politics, basically. So the president himself, President Biden, kind of got in on the joke uh, a little there. What do you make of just how this has spiraled, not just to football, but to politics in all these different areas? Yeah, it's been wild to see. I mean, I try to focus in on football as much as possible, but there's always some conspiracy theories out there. I just try to enjoy football, my family, and uh, I kind of stay off social media as much as possible. You should probably try to stay off CNN as much as possible too, bro. I mean, for real. Miss Teen USA was making more sense. I personally believe... The hell was that? 
for once, I would even indulge Big Head and his idol, Rex Lee. I mean, was that a question? Was that a question? (laughs) Yeah. Here's a decent rule. If you're interviewing somebody on national television, if you're confused by your own question, you probably shouldn't be asking it. Because if you don't know what you're asking, how the hell is the person you're interviewing supposed to know? Essentially, if I can try to translate that question, crazy people think crazy things. What do you make of that, Pat? Really productive use of having the three-time Super Bowl MVP on your air. Well done, everybody. Hey, Pat, crazy people... I mean, how would you like to be Pat? Pat, crazy people think crazy things that also completely devalue your biggest professional accomplishments. What do you think of that, Pat? Hey, Pat, people think the moon is made out of cheese. Yo, bro, reaction. Hey, Pat, people are saying, and don't even... Who are these people, me? Just people, Pat. People are saying that the moon landing was actually filmed in a studio lot in Burbank, not far from where you're sitting right there, Pat. What do you make of that? Hey, Pat, there are a lot of people out there, including some very prominent NBA players, that think the Earth is flat. Reaction, Patrick. I mean, how do we end up here? Seriously. Somebody connect these dots for me and make it make sense. In fact, don't. Don't do that. I don't want to hear it, kooks. You get enough run as it is. Even though none of you kooks can explain how you script the perfect muffed punt to flip the Super Bowl. And one more thing. Speaking of the script... If the whole thing is script so perfectly, how is it script so perfectly? What with that writer's strike that went on forever and ever and ever and ever? Who wrote the script? And then back to the muff. muff. How do you script the perfect muff that hits a dude in the perfect spot in the ankle from 60 yards away and then takes a perfect bounce right to the returner so he can immediately cough it up. How do you choreograph that, conspiracy theorists? How many times would you have to practice that? Yet they just did it. In fact, don't answer that because I know you have an answer. I just don't want it. What are we doing here? What are we doing? What are we doing here? What are we talking about and what are we doing? doing And the worst part is, y'all know I used to love a good conspiracy theory. Love a good conspiracy theory. They used to be a blast (laughs) until the kooks ruined them for everybody. A good conspiracy is like a good tequila. A lot of fun if used responsibly. Used responsibly, it's the best time ever. But if you slam an entire bottle of Don Julio, then you just black out, and then you get behind the wheel of your car, and you jump a curb, and you drive right into somebody's living room, and then the person there minding his own business says, Billy Joel? 
then then it's not fun. Then you're not doing it right. Then you're just drunk and you're out of control and you're a menace to everybody. That's what you conspiracy kooks are like right now. Blackout, drunk, out of control, making no sense, jumping curbs, driving into living rooms, and ruining it for everybody. Kook. And you know what the worst part is? Somehow you kooks are getting over. Somehow you kooks seem to be winning nonetheless. Again, I would say, make it make sense. But I know it doesn't make sense, so I don't need to say it. I already know. It doesn't make any sense. And I know you kooks don't care if it makes no sense. Because you kooks don't operate on logic. That's why the rest of us can't win. Let me tell you, this particular show had a lot more fun at the expense of flat earth truthers. Fake moon landing crusader getting a buzz knuckle sando still entertains me. You're a coward and a liar and a thief. Aliens and UFOs are all things I can get with. Frankly, those aren't even conspiracy theories anymore. That's all true. This thing, though, takes the cake. Zero entertainment value, people. JFK assassination theorists are looking down at you. Patrick could have answered CNN with a terse next question, and I would have been cool with that. The only thing I take exception to is Mahomes saying that he needs to stay away from social media. Uh, i got to stay off social media as much yeah, as possible. I don't know about that. I don't know about that, Pat. Do you know how awesome social media is, Pat? You should probably stay away from some of it, but not all of it, especially X. Lots of good things happening over on X. Rethink that, champ. Rethink that, double champ. Rethink that, champ, champ, champ. Scripted to allow Taylor to use the Super Bowl. Personally, believe that some people think I personally believe that I need a timeout right now because I have an interview coming up. Not just to football, but to politics in all these different areas. All right. Anyway, stay tuned. Tom Pelissero is joining me when we come back. This year, Dell Technologies wants to help you do amazing things with their best tech. For a limited time only, save on select next-gen PCs like the XPS 13 Plus, powered by Intel Core processors and more. Plus, curate your dream setup with great deals on select monitors, mice, and more. Must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at dell.com slash deals, you'll have access to leading-edge technology to match your forward-thinking spirit and free shipping on everything. Again, that's dell.com slash deals. You're listening to The Jim Rome Show. Laughing at some of this reaction. Welcome back. I'm Jim Rome. Hey, Rome Slice. The biggest conspiracy theory I've ever heard in my life is that Venereal is actually going to get laid tonight. Hey, you (laughs) chocolate-hating idiot. Sitting on your hand until it falls asleep and turning it on yourself does not count. Were those of us who will get laid the right way. TC in Oxford. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day, Venereal. That is funny. 
All right. More of that, I'm sure. Right now, we're joined by an NFL Network insider. He's the co-host of the Insiders Weekdays. It's noon to 1 p.m. on NFL Plus, 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern on NFL Network. Of course, I'm talking about Tom Pelissero. Tom, always great to have you on the show. Thanks for making time. Tom, how are you? I'm doing good, Jim. Uh, apologies if my voice goes out at any point. I'm still recovering from a week of the Super Bowl in Vegas. So I got no complaints other than the fact that I haven't been able to talk for three days. Oh, man, I know. I, we're, we're all like that. Preach. You're preaching in the choir. I totally understand. I was there, too. <laughs> and, and probably you're as tired of this as everybody else, but you and I have not talked about this, so let me just try and pare this down as quickly as possible. I'm not saying this is why the Niners lost, but Kyle Shanahan did address this yesterday in kind of an intriguing manner. Where do you come out on this? Where do you come come out on 49er players admitting that they did not know the overtime rules for the postseason, but even a Harvard man like Kyle Juszczyk saying, yeah, I didn't know the rule, but it doesn't effing matter. Is that not a bad look for the players? And if it's not a bad look for the players, then in fact, is it not reflective of the head coach? Where do you come out on that? And again, I'm not saying that's why they lost. I'm just saying it's kind of unfathomable to me. I mean, I'd go back and and wonder if at some point during training camp, sometime during one of those install meetings where maybe you're not entirely remembering things from five months ago, I have to think at some point the rules, which, by the way, were not new this year. At some point, if you you listen to the Jim Rome show, you turn on ESPN, you show up, you're on social media, somewhere along the line, you should know both teams get a possession. Now, I would say this. I mean, I was in a, in a green room during the fourth quarter, so I'd come down from the press box, and we were all sitting there wondering, okay, this whole the clock's running down towards zeros thing. With this rule, where do we land? And one of our research guys was like, no, 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 no. Even though it's, it's the second drive, so we keep going. Like, there was even confusion among us about that aspect of it. Like, the, both teams get possession. I think that that's well established at this point. The timing was the part that even I was not 100% confident that I was correctly uh, understanding it. You know, in terms of the strategy, and I know that, you know, there were a bunch of Chiefs players saying that they had had that explained to them through the course of the week. I, I imagine, you know, Kyle's a very smart guy. He thinks there are a lot of things in his own head. Maybe somewhere down the line, that's an adjustment he might make of, hey, you know, come to the players with this stuff, but what we might do. But I also understand you're going into the biggest game of a lot of people's lives here. Are you really going to clutter their mind during the week with, here's what happens if we go to overtime? No, screw that. Go out and win by 20. Why, why would we need to talk about it? You know, we, we definitely debate the, the strategy of it. You never want to hear – you know, players giving what I would call the Donovan McNabb and claiming that they didn't know what the rules were. You never want to hear that. But in terms of strategy, it's not like you have, you know, a longitudinal data set here where you're going, well, these hundred teams did it this way and a hundred did it that way. No, this is all new for everybody. And in the moment, watching that game, they win the toss. In my mind, I agreed with Kyle Shanahan. I know it didn't work out, but your defense is gassed. Your offense is the strength of your football team. Go down, score the touchdown, and put all the pressure on a Chiefs offense that hadn't looked their best through the course of that game. It didn't work out. Never bet against Patrick Mahomes when it comes down to a last-second drive. Andy Reid and Mahomes are, you know, right now they've created a dynasty, and they deserve every bit of it. We are talking to Tom Pellicero. All right, so let me move along. What about the Chiefs? I spoke to former Chiefs offensive lineman Mitchell Schwartz yesterday. He talked about what it was like, Tom, to go against Chris Jones in practice. He says he's never played against somebody who's had Jones's blend of strength, speed, and football IQ. Everybody knows how disruptive this guy is on the field, but are the Chiefs going to be willing to give him the kind of money that, say, the Niners gave Nick Bosa in September? 
Well, I mean, that's the big question, which is, you know, Bosa and these edge guys are the ones that have gotten paid at the top of the market, but so is Aaron Donald. Now, that was a weird deal where they gave Donald, I think it was about $31 million a year on a short-term extension because the alternative was he was legit going to retire, and they made it worth his while to come back. With Chris Jones, you know, he, he's not a young guy, but by defensive tackle standards, he's not an old guy either. I mean, he turns 30 before next season. Guys at that position can well play into their, you know, early 30s, mid-30s. And if you watch Chris Jones and you watch Andy Reid, you know, flopping on him at the end of the game, you can tell what he means to that team. Uh, Chris Jones and his agents, um, you know, who last year, you know, this past season, week one, they're sitting in the in the press box while everybody's speculating on, are these guys security? No, that's the Cats brothers. Those are his agents. There's no reason they shouldn't sit here and go, you dared him to prove it. He went out and proved it. We want $30 million a year. And if you don't get it, you know, that second franchise tag would be a pretty massive number. That doesn't preclude them from potentially using it. I find it hard to believe the Chiefs are going to let Chris Jones out. But on the flip side of that, Brett Veach, the general manager, uh, is always thinking a couple steps ahead here. I mean, two years ago, people would have said, you're nuts to let Tyreek Hill go. It's one of the dynamic weapons in the league, and he still is. But the way that Veach was thinking at, about it at that time was, I can get – multiple premium draft picks and clear up $25 million a year that I can invest on the other side of the ball. And I can get three players that can be impactful. I wonder if some of the same math now applies to Chris Jones. You've won two, two Super Bowls in a row. You've won three in the last five years. You don't have the pressure on you that some other general managers do. You've kind of earned the right, if you're Veach and Andy Reid, to say, you know, there is a price where it becomes too high. Having said that, again, I would not be surprised at all if a second franchise tag is in play for Chris Jones because you potentially could tag him and trade him this time around. Those deals are complicated to do, but letting a guy who's that impactful walk because you're not willing to get to $30 million a year, that to me seems far-fetched. Tom Pelissero joining us. You know, In terms of Brad Veach, I talked to Nick Casario last week when I was in Vegas, and he said effectively the same thing about Veach that you just said. Tom, what about... Kirk Cousins. He's also heading into free agency. He's coming off that Achilles injury that he suffered in October. You're based in Minnesota. You've covered the Vikings for years. What does the market look like for Kirk at age 35 coming off that injury? Well, let's start with this, Jim. The Vikings do want to re-sign Kirk Cousins. However, there is going to be, I anticipate, a strong market out there for Cousins because you can go down the list of the league right now and you can find somewhere between 10, 12, maybe more teams than that that don't have a clear answer and that Kirk Cousins would qualify as an upgrade on. Now, it's not to say he's going to have 10, 12 teams in the mix. You know, Tom Brady becomes available, and there's really two teams that were in the mix for him years ago. So it's got to be targeted if you're going to spend that type of money on a veteran player. Cousins, I believe, will be 36 before uh, the start of next season. The Achilles shouldn't be a huge factor. He's, my understanding is, I think he's going to be thrown by next week. So he's ahead of schedule where they would anticipate that he's been. He's never had an injury history. He has never missed games. Um, you know, he's a specific type of quarterback. And if you're running a Shanahan McVay style offense and you prioritize quick processing, get the ball out of your hand quickly, um, be automatic on those reads, he can be a very good fit. Uh, for your system. So, you know, the Vikings are in a unique spot here. Just think about this, Jim. They've got probably the, maybe the two biggest free agents, the two guys who get paid the most in Kirk Cousins and Daniil Hunter, and they can't tag either one of them. Hunter has a no-tag clause, 
And Cousins, who's already been tagged twice, so this is largely moot. The third tag would be an astronomical number, but they his contract voids after the tag window closes. So you can't tag either of the top free agents going into this year. On top of that, you have Justin Jefferson, who's going to be looking at $30 million plus per year on his own contract extension, and he's going to want to know what is your quarterback plan before he is willing to sign anything. So you've got three players who are all going to get quite possibly $30 million plus. I can't think of another team that's been in that type of a spot. Jefferson's not a free agent, obviously. He's got another year. you got tags on top of it. you got a ways uh, that you can go here. But with Jefferson, you're also running the risk of if you're going into year five with the guy, okay, at some point he's going to say, I'm not showing up, and I'm going to eat the fines, and I'm going to wait. Jefferson's such a good kid. He really is that, you know, he played out last year at a pretty low number. That's not going to go on forever. So you have all these interconnected parts, which brings us back to the Kirk Cousins market. I do believe if you look around at an Atlanta, at maybe a Denver, though they got to figure out some things with Russell Wilson, there's going to be other teams that are looking at this and saying, we got a really unique spot. If we think over the next couple of years we can win, Kirk Cousins can be that guy who gets us over the hump. At some point, there becomes that number that's too high for the Vikings, at which point my anticipation, nothing's done yet, but my anticipation would be they would look for an economical type of veteran, a guy like Sam Darnold, who was the 49ers' backup this year, somebody who can bridge you to a young quarterback, and then maybe they're drafting a rookie, whether that's in round one or round two of the draft. They've got some really interesting decisions to make in Minnesota, but one way or another, Kirk Cousins, there's every reason to believe that barring a massive contract for Baker Mayfield, which is possible because he played really well last year, Kirk Cousins probably once again is going to be the highest paid player in free agency. Really interesting scenario that you lay out. In fact, Tom, what about that? I saw Baker Mayfield also last week. Do you think that he's going to get a massive contract? Here's what one general manager said to me, and I think that this is what you kind of got to think about. There are no mid-level quarterback contracts right now. If you look down the list, there's almost nobody who's making in between $35 million a year or $30 million, wherever Jared Goff is, right in there, and like 10. And so for Baker Mayfield, all of a sudden, he's getting pushed up into that upper echelon. I'm not saying that he's going to get $50 million per year, but he quite possibly, based on what he did last year, becomes a $40 million per year player. And then throw on top of that, I think everybody's already writing this, that, you know, this is getting done with the Bucks, and he's going back, and they hired a guy who knows him. Well, who else hired a quarter, uh, a uh, offensive coordinator that Baker Mayfield knows? The division rival Falcons just hired Zach Robinson. He spent the exact same amount of time with Baker Mayfield that Liam Cohen did out in L.A. at the tail end of that season a couple of years ago. Could the Falcons, who also have a quarterback need, at minimum make a play for Baker Mayfield that drives up the price? I think there's something to be said for Baker with all of the transition from Cleveland to the Panthers to L.A. to Tampa, maybe he just wants to be in one spot, and I would 100% get that. But just from a a money angle, there's not many starting caliber quarterbacks, Jim, that are available in free agency. It's really – it's Cousins, it's Mayfield. Then you can kind of argue over what is Tannehill at this point, what is Flacco at this point, and then you got a bunch of those kind of bridge guys, you know, the Minshews and the Darnolds. Jameis is a free agent again. Mason Rudolph's a free agent. Wentz will be out there. Brissett will be out there. You know, if you're going to go and get a dude to start right now, you're going to have to pay. I, I do think Baker Mayfield's going to get paid. He's sure not signing for $5 million like he did last year. I mean, he's earned it. It's just a matter of does he become that rare mid-level quarterback that's getting like $20 million 
or does he get pushed closer to 40, put me put me in line for the uh, the latter of those Oh, scenarios. no, I think so, too, and I think you described him perfectly. He is a dude. That guy's a dude, and I sat with him, and, you know, you feel that vibe, and you see why guys love him. First of all, Tom, really heroic effort by you today. You sound great. One last thing, if you can hang in there, i got to ask you. Jerry Jones hired Mike Zimmer to come in and fix his defense. Should Mike McCarthy struggle early or implode late? Do you think that Jones believes he's got a coach in waiting in Zimmer, or do you think that he would have a greater interest in Bill Belichick? Well, first of all, Jim, I just want to check. Did anybody tell Rex Ryan yet that he did not get the job? I just want to make sure before we proceed here that Rex is 100% aware now. I don't know that he knows. Not, yeah, not I don't know. the defensive coordinator. They had to work out some contract things. Zim's there. I don't think it's so much a coach and waiting thing because this is Mike McCarthy's guy. Mike McCarthy, and I remember talking, I've known Mike forever, you know, going all the way back to when I was at the Green Bay Press Gazette like 15, 20 years ago. And Mike would always speak so highly of Zimmer, how hard he was to go against, what an upstanding guy he thought he was. So when Zim, you know, became available, obviously he's been out for the last couple of years, but Zim called me up a couple months ago and was just saying, like, hey, I want to, I want to get back in. Like, you know, I want, I want to, you know, I, I've been studying the tape of all these different teams. I'm doing, you know, different research on schemes. I'm studying analytics. Like, I want to go. And so, you know, he was in the right mindset. And so then, you know, when McCarthy was looking around, Zimmer was the the logical guy. He had what I was told was an excellent interview with the Cowboys. Uh, he is absolutely – I've known Zim a long time, too. He is mentally and physically refreshed. You remember everything that he went through toward the tail end there with, you know, all the eye surgeries. His son tragically passed away uh, a couple of years ago. Um, you know, Zim is, is ready to do this thing, and he's going to come in there. I know he's 67, but he doesn't look 67, doesn't sound 67. He wants to go in there and kick everybody's ass and be a head coach again somewhere in 2025. But this is not a, you know, Jerry making this move. This is the guy Mike McCarthy absolutely wanted to be the D.C. It's a big year for everybody. There's no doubt about that. Everybody involved knows that. But when you look at the level of talent that they've got on both sides of the football and you get back at Trayvon Diggs, which is going to be a big deal for them, it's a Cowboys team. I know we always say this, Jim, but it's a Cowboys team that should be absolutely a Super Bowl contender right now. And I also thought this was interesting. When I interviewed Emmett Smith on NFL Network at the Super Bowl, it happened to be just based on scheduling, the morning after Zim had agreed to terms, days before Rex was notified, but after Zim had already agreed that he was coming on board, I asked Emmett about it because Emmett was there the last time Zimmer was the Cowboys defensive coordinator back in the early 2000s, and he said Zimmer is old school, and this team needs some old school. What he meant was it's great to have this very positive culture that Mike McCarthy has built. It is very player-centric. But maybe on some way, and Dan Quinn did a phenomenal job there. It's just taking nothing away from DQ. But DQ's all the positive reinforcement. It's all positive. Zim's going to chew your ass. He's going to jump you every now and then. What Emmett was saying was maybe this group needs a little bit of that in the building. I think it's going to be a different dynamic there. I think it can be really productive. I am excited to see the 2024 Cowboys. I love Zim. I love Zim, and I'll be excited to see them if he can figure out how to stop the run and take advantage of what Micah does best. But I think that's what that guy does. That's why you bring him in and it kicks him ass. 100%. He is an NFL Network insider, and Tom, I feel you. I know what it's like to be there and work those hours and come back and show up and do a show that's not your own show, so I really appreciate <laughs> Appreciate you, man. Great job. Great job. Appreciate hey, that, Tom. Less than a month away from free agency, man. The voice will be back. I'll be ready to roll by then. Don't no worry. doubt. No, you are. Appreciate you, dude. Great job. Tom Pelissero joining us. That's so true. When 
and I mean this, when you're somebody like that and you go through a week like that, all of us, I don't want to say we had to or go through, we get to, we know this. We love Super Bowl week. Everybody in this business that deals with the NFL, covers the NFL, works within the confines, we love that week. It's the best content week of the year. We love it. But it can be trying on your voice. You heard his voice. You've heard my voice. Ross Tucker we had on Monday. He talked about it. We all talk about it. So if you're somebody who's on the air a lot, like, for instance, those two guys, Tom, Ross Tucker, they have their own platforms. They have their own shows. To commit to do somebody else's show and then to show up with that kind of energy, I have a great appreciation for and respect. That's showing up. That's how you do it. That was big. That's a pro right there. All right. You can react to any of that. 1-800-636-8686. We are open phones the rest of the way. We've talked about the Niners. We've talked about the overtime. We've talked about conspiracy guy. You can react to that if you want. I do want to talk some more about the Lakers... And Golden State reportedly talking about a deal at the deadline that could have involved LeCap. And LeCap and his team shooting that down. But to hear Woj tell it, Jeannie Buss said, you know, I want to present it to the guy. The guy deserves to hear. And then the guy heard and the guy didn't want to go. I've got thoughts on that, which I'll get to. I want to talk also about Draymond and Yurk. They're still talking junk. They're still going back and forth. And the Phoenix Open. The death of the Phoenix Open as we know it. There was no other golf tournament like that. I mean, the all-time rager. Such a good thing. But much like conspiracy theories, much like anything, there's such a thing as too much of a good thing, and then it's no longer a good thing, and then you just got to shut it down, which is what they're doing with that, or at least the way it used to be. Have you seen any of the video on X or elsewhere of the party, man? Totally, totally trashed. Totally trashed. That's the epitome of what that was. That was totally trashed. Totally trashed. You see that Farley lookalike rolling downhill, shirtless, all smashed up? All of that still ahead. And I'm looking for your phone calls. Wednesday is an ATP day. Also a GR pod day. Chandler Parsons starts the next era. We already have 300. He is 301. A reinvention project coming up later on this week. And we are working and talking about the X platform as we build that thing out. I will keep you posted. The jungle is coming to X. Stay tuned. Here is a bomb of the hour sports update for you. Here is Rich Ackerman. City clones are bringing some heat. I like it. I did mention going to that break that the jungle is coming to the X platform, and it is. Soon. We're working on it. We're working on that launch date. We're putting it together, and the jungle is going to be on X. So keep listening for that. More updates coming up. No Cal Vic is in with a straight take. Quote, 
taking the ball first in OT was fine. Number one, KC just had a long drive to end the fourth quarter. Number two, low-scoring game featured field goals of 53, 55, and 57 yards. Number three, this possible scenario, SF kicks a field goal, KC stalls out, kicks their own field goal, SF then gets the ball back and kicks a field goal. Listen, I never said that taking the ball first wasn't fine. I said, it's not egregious to me. I never said it wasn't fine. I said I wouldn't do it, but I never had a real problem with that. I said taking it first because you don't know the rule isn't fine. If you know the rule and that's your decision, fine. It didn't work. If you know the rule and your analytics people told you, take the ball because you want that third possession and then you can end it, fine. But if you took the ball because you thought scoring a touchdown ended it, not fine. Also, that possible scenario where, quote, KC stalls out, kind of irrelevant considering that's not what happened. They didn't stall out. They did what we knew they would do. They went right down the field and they won. That's the problem with the three-possession mindset. Pat got the ball, and then Pat ended you. Pat's like, what third possession? This is the second position, possession. Now we're done. Now. Dear Sir Rome, LeBron is everything wrong with the NBA and society. I'm going to stop right there. That's quite a statement. I mean, say what you want about that guy, but that's quite a statement. LeBron is everything wrong with NBA and society. When things get tough, I mean, you're putting a lot on this dude. I understand that there's a lot of people that don't like this dude. I understand why. I don't like that he wrecked the best movie ever that I was a part of. So it's a part of my legacy. I mean, I I have that issue. But to say that he's everything wrong with the NBA and society, like he represents everything wrong in the world. Anyway, LeBron is dear Sir Rome. LeBron, I'm not saying this. I'm reading this. Dear Sir Rome, LeBron is everything wrong with the NBA and society. When things get tough, he cries. When things get tough, it's never his fault. When things get tough, he wants to bail. The guy will go down in history more for his ego, his crying, and his quit more than his numbers. Signed Donovan in Wisco. War Emmett Smith calling Jerry Jones a clown. Let me say this. In defense of LeCap, that's actually not fair what you just said. Because he could have bailed and he didn't. You're saying when things get tough, things get tough, he wants to bail. He could have. Golden State made the phone call and said, we want this guy. And apparently Jeannie Buss said, well, let me check with the guy. And the guy said, no, I don't want to go. Now, I don't know what his reasoning was for that. But if he wanted to bail and take an easier route to another chip, it would be to leave L.A. and go to Golden State. Golden State affords him a much better opportunity than that ass team he's playing for right now. Fact. He snags. 
I love the Deshaun Foster hire at UCLA. As I believe it's a great fit. Did he mention John Fox? That's really funny because I was just wondering, what did John Fox say? What did John Fox say? Stay tuned next week. Ah! All right, so you want some inside jungle? I told Alvin to play it. I did. When Deshaun Foster said, you know, I've played for this coach, this coach, this coach, this coach, John Fox. I said to Alvin, do it. Do it. And he wouldn't. Uh, Jim Mora, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, you know, just pulling a lot of stuff that I've been under them. I played for John Fox. That's how it should have sounded. What did John Fox say? Now, if you play it like that, notice that Deshaun Foster did not skip a beat. Went right through it. I'm guessing he might have tripped up on it. So I'm not saying that Alvin, that I'm going to admonish him for not doing it, but I did tell him to do it, and it would have been incredible. I guess you don't always get what you want, even me. Even me on my own show. All right, third hour is coming up. I want to talk about LeBron, the Lakers, Golden State, and more. Stay tuned.